Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 91st episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and the featured guest is Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. We had a lengthy conversation about Cassius Winston, talked about what makes their offense so explosive, and then we dug into Jaron Jackson and also talked about the revamped recruiting schedule. Following that conversation with Tom Izzo, brought on Fox Sports producer Conrad Company to help guide a conversation about the biggest topics in college basketball. So we got into five topics. We talked about some of the hires from the spring and how they're doing, like Jeff Capel and Kermit Davis and Chris Mack. And then we also talked about Trey Jones and how that injury could affect affect that Duke basketball team. Before we get to that conversation with Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. It's time to go. Man to man. With Evan Daniels, send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Michigan State head basketball coach Tom Izzo to the Sidelines Podcast. Coach, uh, how you doing? Good, Evan. How are you? I am doing well. Exciting time of year, right in the, the heart of the season. And your team is sitting at 15-2. and two. You've won 10 in a row, including Sunday at Penn State, with uh, two of your guys not available. You guys seem to be in quite the groove right now. You know, I mean, we're playing good. Uh, you know, I didn't think we played as good on Sunday, but, you know, we really miss Langford. I mean, he was, you know, averaging 17 a game, and he's probably my best defensive guard. And then Arns came in at the similar position, and so we're missing two guys the same position, and all of a sudden you bring in two freshmen, and, you know, it's a little different. Uh, you know, the experience is what we have, I think, going for us this year, and I was negated a little bit uh, Sunday and maybe for the next couple of games as Arns is day-to-day, and Josh is probably, uh, you know, we should know more in the, within the next week. Now, Cassius Winston has been terrific for you this year, over 17 points a game, 7.4 assists. He's shooting over 45% from three. His scoring numbers are particularly up this year. Is that something that you guys asked of him with, you know, Jaron and Miles gone, and they carried such a scoring load? Did you guys ask him to, to look to score a little more? Yeah, I even asked him to coach the team. You know, I, I think he's <laughs> one of those guys that can do multidimensional things, and you know, what he really needed to do was improve his defense, and he's done that some. I think he's pushing the ball a lot better. Those were two areas that we really wanted him to improve on. And You know, he, he is a very good scorer, but uh, he's had some big assist game. In fact, our assists for the season are off the charts, I think. You know, we've been pretty consistent for the last three, four, five years. But uh, this year, we're, we're hitting a real high with number of assists per basket. And I think the ball's been moving really well it, it did last year but it's even better this year and Cassius has a lot to do with that that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because offensively you guys have been outstanding number four in Ken Palm adjusted offensive efficiency number 11 in the country in three-point shooting by percentage 86 points a game what makes you all so dangerous on that end well, I think Cassius is a big part of it because he gets the balls to the right guys. But, you know, when I had Langford in there, he's averaging 17 a game. We have Nick Ward who shooting a high percentage. And uh, I think my other big improved player inside has been Xavier Tillman. And then McQuaid is starting to really shoot the ball like he was supposed to before his injury a year and a half ago. So 
I think that helps. I think we're running, so we're getting some open looks. Our assists, very, very, very unselfish team. The last three, four years, it's been that way. This year, it's kind of taken a new high. This might be a weird question, Coach, but how do you develop that with a group of guys, especially a young group of guys that, you know, in a lot of ways are used to in, you know, high school and and AAU and kind of going and getting their own? How do you develop that type of chemistry and that type of unselfishness among a group? Well, I think I've been very fortunate the last four or five years. You know, when I had Valentine as a point guard, he was a very, very unselfish kid. Then I had Tom Tom a little bit. And then, of course, Cassius has been off the charts with it. But even when I had the Miles and Jarens, the star players, I don't know if it was in the water here or what, but very, very hearing group. And that's one thing I really looked at. In the last couple of summers, we've spent a lot of time in the summer just kind of not running much but moving the ball moving the ball you know I, I get to see Draymond enough and we're not the uh, warriors but the concepts and we don't have the players but the concept of keeping that ball moving not not holding on to it not letting it hatch not over dribbling it you know I tried to steal some things from them and wish I could steal a few of their players <laughs> You know, three of your top four scorers are shooting above 40% from three. Two of them, Winston and McQuaid, better than 45%. How much of an emphasis do you put on shooting when you're recruiting these guys and in skill development in the offseason? I think we more in skill development. I mean, you want to recruit shooters, but it's so different now with AU ball. What is a shooter? You know, everything's kind of take it to the hole and dunk it. And kind of that fast pace, which I like too, but... I think, you know, some guys have developed into shooters. I, you know, I didn't think Cassius was a great shooter coming out of high school, and he's really developed into one. I, I didn't think, you know, when we recruited Josh Langford, Miles Bridges, I didn't think was a great shooter. So I give my staff credit. I think some of it's been development. I think some of it's been the system, and I think some of it's been the work ethic of those players coming in on their own when we're not allowed to be with them. You mentioned some of the guys from last year's team. What's the difference between coaching this year's group compared to last year's? I mean, you guys lost some really talented kids, but this year's group, you could make a case, has been uh, maybe more productive and, and so steady. Well, I, I, I am proud that we've been really good defensively, and I thought we'd be down because Jaron is such a good shot blocker, and Miles was a pretty good defender, and Tom was a great defender. But, you know, Evan, as you know, we went through a lot up here last year with the Nassar stuff, and I, I, not to use an excuse or anything else, but I think from January 20th on, you know, it's hard to relate the two teams because not only the coaching staff but the players, there was a lot of things that were distracting, and I think that was a very good team last year. And when people say that to me, I say, well, maybe we underachieved not getting. We won 30 games. But, you know, by the end of the year, uh, this team was worn out for other reasons. And so hard to compare. But I think what this team did is it took the fact that we had the guard last year. I think we're in the top 10 in defensive stats, too. You know, we're one of the better rebounding teams. So we do have an inside-outside threat. I think what's happened is Kenny Goins – has become a defender and a rebounder, and at six seven, athletic, he can guard a lot of different people. I think Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman both lost another 15 pounds, and instead of the 275, 280 that they came in on, they're they're 240, and and that's made a difference. And and I think we stole something. I mean, Miles and Jaron were the most unselfish, unpretentious, 
superstars, you know, lottery picks that I've ever coached here. And, and I think the humility of those guys was so good that it rubbed off on these guys. And that's where the sharing of the ball and the unselfishness has come from. Makes sense. You guys have a tough schedule coming up, three of the next four games on the road. All four of those teams are looking like NCAA tournament teams. How do you go about formatting practices to prepare your guys for this upcoming stretch? Well, that's where you've hit me on maybe the toughest thing I've had to deal with because I've never dealt with the kind of injuries. I've dealt with injuries, but not at the same positions. And then, you know, we don't want to wear Cassius out. So that's been one of our topics is how do we get better and yet not wear guys out in practice. And it's been something that our staff meetings, you know, we've really looked at. You know, a lot of people just practice an hour at the, you know, we practice straight through all my years here and, and tried to get better each and every day. And so now we got to try to get better without the same wear and tear, at least until we get those guys back. And that's, you know, you're asking me a good question that I don't have a great answer for. It's going to be trial and error, but it's going to be error on the side of maybe more walkthroughs, more film sessions, less pounding. But uh, it is going to be a grind here, especially, you know, without those two guys and relying on two freshmen and trying to find a way not to wear Cassius out. That's going to be the trick in the next 10 days. Valuable experience for those freshmen, though. Really valuable. And, you know, Aaron Henry is was playing about 14 minutes a game, and then he played 25, and then Gabe Brown was playing 5-6, now he played 21, and... Foster Lawyer was playing, you know, 4-5, and now he's played 11 or 12 in the last game. And, yeah, that's going to make us better in the long run if we can survive the short run. But when you're when you're trying to compete for a league championship, and it's a long ways away, but we're one of the teams that is in that hunt, you know, you can't afford to, to fumble sometimes. And I'm going to have to be understanding that, you know, we're not fully loaded right now, and you can't make excuses for it but there is a reality to it and that's that's what we're going to try to deal with in the practice is to be honest I know you mentioned day-to-day but are you thinking you get these guys back in two weeks or do you think it could be longer than that you know that's the worst part of it for me I, I think we'll get Kyle Arns back within a week or two and Josh I think we'll know more by the end of this week he gets out of the boot and it's we're not even sure what the injury is it sounds crazy but oh. it's not it's been ruled out a stress fracture or any of that. We're hoping it's just some cartilage strain in his ankle, but uh, harder to detect. And so rest was a big thing. We're giving him two weeks. Uh, he's feeling better. When he gets out of the boot, we'll have a better idea. And that's what hopefully by the end of this week we'll do. And, and boy, if I, if I had a timetable that I knew I had to survive this long, this long, or whatever, it'd be a little easier. It's not been that way. And even with Orange, it's kind of, I don't believe he'll play against uh, Nebraska, but it is day-to-day, and does that mean he'll play in the next game? I mean, hopefully, but he hasn't practiced or done anything yet. That's the strangeness of the two injuries. No question. You play in such a tough league. How do you assess the the league this year? You know, I've been in this league 30-some years because one of my GA days here on up, and uh, it sounds like a lot of time, but you know, 24 is the head coach, and I haven't seen the league any better, top to bottom. Now, I've seen the top a little better, and I've seen the bottom, of course, a, a lot worse. But, you know, when you look at our bottom teams right now on paper, even uh, you know, in Illinois or uh, Penn State, I mean, they've got some talent. And, 
Northwestern, you know, I think is a very good team. Now, they've had an injury or so, too, but those are the teams at the bottom, and I think they're all well-coached and tough teams. But the middle is where our real strength is. You know, Michigan's really good, and I think we're pretty good, but the middle is where the strength is because Iowa was a game that we beat them here pretty good, and since then they've been on a terror. I think Minnesota's much better. I think Purdue got one of the best players in the whole country. Indiana's very solid. Ohio State's very solid. Maryland, I think, is playing some of their best basketball. So, yeah, I think the league is deserving of the, you know, 10 teams they're talking about. Uh, You know, it's all going to play out. But I do think it's, if not the strongest league in the country, one of. But I, I think what makes it the strongest, too, is every time you go on the road in the Big Ten, you're playing in front of a packed house, and right. that's not always that way in other conferences. So the the crowds, the experience, and I think there's a lot of great coaches in our league right now. For sure. I wanted to ask you about Jaron Jackson. He's having such a tremendous first year in the NBA. Obviously, we knew he was good. Did you think that he would be able to have this type of impact this early in the league? You know, let me arrogantly say yes, and I'll tell you why. I I think his growth from his junior year to his senior year was good. I really did think he grew a lot last year. You know, he was in foul trouble a lot. And his coach says once in a while he's still in foul trouble, but very intelligent. But I think the biggest thing he did is he bought into the weightlifting, the gaining of the weight. He went from 221 when he came here to 245 when he left. And wow. that is a big change for a guy who did it the right way. He worked it. He works on his game. He's an intelligent player. He's a guy that really enjoys the game, you know, and, you know, with his father playing in the league, he's still young. But I really did think he'd have a chance to have an an impact. Now, as good as he's had in some of these games, probably not. But for a guy who doesn't just rely on his offense like most guys at that level, he plays his defense. He's still blocking shots. He's getting better handling the ball. I said it when they were drafting. I'll say it again. I, I think he's going to end up the most productive guy. Now, I know Doncic has been really good, too, but and there's other good players, but I think five years down the road, we're going to be looking at Jaron Jackson as the diamond in that draft class. You able to keep up with him a lot? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, to keep up with him. It's, it's so great. His mother still texts all the time. So does Miles and his mother. And But I, I do watch him. I'm going to try, if we get a break, to get down and see both of them. But I, I'm i really proud of what they've both done. And, and, and right now, Jaron is having a you know, bigger impact, maybe a team he's with and the needs they had. And give their front office credit. They They knew what they needed, and they went out and got a guy that's maybe exceeding expectations at a young age, and I think he's grounded enough. He's got a good enough family background that this will not get to his head. He was a very coachable kid, and I, I just love that about him. Yeah, he was certainly fun to cover in, in high school, too. Yeah. Last question, Tom, before I let you go. I wanted to get your thoughts on the revamped recruiting model. You know, I, I don't know how much you know about it, but instead of three July evaluation periods, we now have two high school weekends in June, which we're finding out is – not all the kids are going to be able to play. Chaotic. Yeah. yeah, and then there's one normal AAU weekend in July and then regional camps at the end. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this because there's been uh, a lot of attention towards it as of late. Well, I'm on the board, and I'm supportive of, you know, I think we did some drastic things. There needed to be some drastic things. I, 
I thought they were going to take more days away. We've almost added more because our June schedule is more with the USA basketball and everything. And I think intentions were incredibly strong. I think everybody wanted to do the right thing. I think we moved so quickly that we didn't understand the consequences of some of those things. The prep schools, the junior colleges, the states that didn't want to do it. You know, I mean, that is going to be, I think, some severe growing pains this year, you know. and But it's hard for me to say I'm, I'm, I'm still on the board. I have some inside information on it. But nobody had information, much information, the way that committee worked because – they were put together to do a job and change the culture. And I'm not sure, you know, everything's going to come out great. Change is always difficult. I'm willing to look at it. But I I just thought we moved so quickly, we didn't wrap our arms around the whole thing. And I worry still, Evan. I mean, and you're a guy that follows it a lot. I still worry about the amount of time these guys are playing in the summer. What's it doing to their bodies and their brains you know i i'm worried that we're getting a little some of these injuries that everybody's getting is, is it overuse injuries and the colleges get blamed for it but i think something has to change in the summer i'm not sure that you know it's going to be right the way it is but it just seems like it's been the theory of more is better i don't think that's totally true but i don't know if this new high school I'm keeping my eyes open. I'm I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I just, if I have a negative, is that we move so quickly without, right. you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And, and that's creating some heartache right now and some, some panic situations. But remember, they were set out to do something because we probably overreacted to some of the negative things that have gone on in recruiting that you know and have gone on for a long time. Right, and so hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll find a happy medium in there somewhere. But there are some question marks right now. I agree with you too in terms of maybe overusage. I think, you know, three July evaluation periods we could have settled some things and maybe made it down to two and you know have one at the beginning of the month, one at the end, and and then maybe do two I, spring I agree evaluation with you. periods. Uh, you know what? I agree with that. I think it's it's hard on coaches. It's hard on uh, universities financially, and it's. And maybe the most important thing is it is hard on the players. I mean, I think they feel obligated. They have to do some of these things. And um, I think players will always play, but some of those things are, are tough. And is that why we're not getting better in our skills? Because that's all we're doing is playing games. A lot of questions I have, but uh, I'm just one guy in this thing, and I'll do what they tell me to do. <laughs> well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time out uh, midseason and joining the podcast. Good luck the rest of the way. Well, Evan, I appreciate the work you do. You're pretty competent in what you do. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Tom. See you, buddy. This is Tom Izzo. Michigan State is headed to the Final Four. And you can leave it to Cleve. And he's running out onto the floor. He has reinstated the magic at Michigan State. You're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels.
I'd like to once again thank Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. Now I'm going to bring in Fox Sports producer Conrad Company to co-host the podcast. He's been on here a number of times before, and we're going to continue to bring him on to jump into some topics on the latest in all of college basketball. So he's going to help guide this conversation on uh, on five of the bigger topics that are going on this week. Conrad, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic, man. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, it's a, a fun time of year. There's a lot going on between recruiting stuff, between college basketball starting to heat up. We're in conference play. If you're a fan of basketball, we're entering uh, one of the best parts of the year. So uh, I'm pumped up. Yeah, man. Last night, there was so much fantastic basketball on between Wisconsin coming back late against Maryland. And then obviously the Duke-Syracuse game was fantastic to watch too. But jumping right into a little college hoops with you. Let's start off with this interview with Tom Izzo you just had. What's been your takeaway from the Spartans so far this season? And is this just business as usual for Tom Izzo? It certainly seems like it, Conrad. I mean, think about what they lost to the NBA draft last year. I mean, Jaron Jackson's having a tremendous season as Tom Izzo and I just talked about on the podcast. And, you know, they lost Miles Bridges, uh, another lottery pick. And they basically picked up right where they left off. They're 15-2. and two. They won 10 in a row. You know, they lost that first game of the season to Kansas, and then they lost 10 games to go to Louisville. But they've been tremendous. And I, I think it starts with Cassius Winston. He's upped his play. Uh, he's scoring the ball more than he did last year, up more than five points a game this year, averaging 17.6 points a game. But he's a tremendous distributor, dude. 7.4 assists a game, number one in the Big Ten. Uh, they, they've just done a really good job with this team. Now, uh, it'll be curious to see if they can fight through these next couple games uh, with the injuries. You know, Josh Langford, um, they don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, and obviously, he's a, a big piece to that puzzle at 15 points a game, uh, shooting at over 40% from three. Uh, and then Kyle Arns, they say he's day-to-day. And uh, obviously, both of those guys are, are key pieces to the, to the puzzle. But this is a, a tremendous basketball team, especially when they're healthy. And uh, they, they just have so many weapons. They can beat you in so many ways. And it's also, Conrad, it's pretty impressive the way they're shooting the basketball. I mentioned Langford over 40%, but Cassius Winston has developed into a tremendous shooter, 45.4% from three. And Matt McQuaid is shooting the cover off the board ball, 47% from three. So I just think this team uh, can beat you in a variety of ways. They've got a, a lead guard that's that's really gifted. Um, and I haven't even mentioned uh, Nick Ward and, and Xavier Tillman and Kenny Goins who, who are getting it done inside. So uh, I, I think this is a, a good basketball team. And usually uh, you don't want to face, if you're the opposition, you don't want to face Michigan State in March. And I, I think they're tracking towards being a, a really good team. Yeah, I, I know when it comes March, Michigan State suffocates you defensively. But from everything I've seen this year, this might be one of their best offensive teams that they've had under Tom Izzo. Is there any truth to that? Well, they're averaging 86 points a game which is uh really impressive um i mean their stats um are 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 impressive across the board number uh three in adjusted efficiency on the offensive end uh, then defensively they're number nine uh, by ken palm their effective field goal percentage is six in the country um, they by percentage are the 11th best shooting team in the country at 39.8 percent um, so this is an explosive offensive team like i mentioned i, I think it starts with cassius winston in not only his ability to score and make shots, but his ability to facilitate uh, and distribute the basketball, which Tom and I just talked about on the podcast. I mean, that kid is is, is so gifted. And, and what he was saying was how uh, unselfish this basketball team is. And, and he said that's been a big part of their offensive success. 
Yeah, certainly. Now, we're going to stay in state for another great team that's in Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines. They started off 17-0, and after Duke's loss last night, they're presumably the number one team in the country. What makes this Michigan squad elite? Yeah, I mean, they will likely be number one uh, in the country, assuming they knock off the Badgers on on Saturday. And I think it, it's twofold. This is a, a, a program that's historically been known for their offense, and obviously John Beeline's a tremendous offensive coach, and, and this is a good offensive team. They're 20th in Ken Palm adjusted efficiency on the offensive end. Probably don't shoot the ball quite like some of his other teams have, but still 63rd in the country by percentage. Uh, but I, I think the key is is the, the tone they set on the defensive end. Um, number three in Ken Palm adjusted efficiency defense, and I, I think it starts um, with Xavier Simpson and the tone that he sets on that end of the floor. Uh, he really competes. He can defend. Um, but he's also um, a really unselfish player. He, he creates and distributes for his teammates. And um, I, I think he's been really good for this group. And, you know, this is the best start in school history, 17-0. to 0. Um, And, you know, while Michigan State is very good, I, I think it's fair to say Michigan is the, the favorite in the Big Ten right now. And, and to go with Simpson, who I just mentioned, they've got a guy in Ignis Brasdikis that's having a – tremendous freshman season I knew that kid was good and he was ranked as a top 45 50 player coming out of high school um, but I didn't know that he would be able to step in and, and lead this team in scoring uh, right away I mean over 15 points a game uh, shooting 39 percent from three um, he's been a, a effective and efficient across the board and then you throw in the the other shooters in Jordan Poole and Isaiah Livers uh, who are, are both shooting at above 45 percent um, this is a really good basketball team that can hurt you in a variety of ways. And, and the other thing, Conrad, is they don't hurt themselves. They don't turn the ball over. Um, they handle it with care. And they can just beat you in, in so many different ways. Yeah, seemingly it seems like John Beeline just doesn't get the amount of attention that he deserves. I mean, he's taken Michigan to two national championships, and now finally he's going to have the number one team in the country. Why isn't he getting the credit that I feel like he should get on the national stage? You know, that's, a, that's an interesting take, Conrad. I, I mean, I think he's pretty well known to be a tremendous coach. Um, you know, I think I get what you're saying, though. Like, in, in some ways, he kind of flies under the radar. But the, the job that he's done at, at Michigan has been absurd. He's won 65% of his games at Michigan. He's, uh, you mentioned it, he's been uh, to, to two title games, been runner-up in both. He's been to another Elite Eight and a, a Sweet 16. But the job that he's done in, in building this program, and uh, you know why I think he does a tremendous job, is, is recruiting players that fit his system and fit his style and how he wants to play. You know, he doesn't go out and get uh, top 10 players or top 20 players, but he does go out and get players that fit how he wants to play uh, and what he wants to do on the court. And it, it's really impressive to see that. And I think you have to give him uh, that coaching staff um, some credit, too, for the skill development. Um, and, and getting guys better. I, I think he does a tremendous job at going out and getting players that fit how he wants to play. Seems like players just really, really like to play for the guy. Now, another team that guys really like to play for as well is the Duke Blue Devils. They just lost point guard Trey Jones last night to an injured shoulder against Syracuse. How does that impact things for the Blue Devils going forward? Well, I, I think it's a big loss, and I, the reason I think it's a big loss is while he may not be the best player on the team, that probably goes to R.J. Barrett or, or Zion Williamson, I think Trey Jones was the most important player on that Duke team because he sets the table. And they need a guy like him uh, to facilitate and create shot opportunities 
Um, for a guy like R.J. Barrett and a guy like Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish, I think he is that important to this basketball team. And, uh, you know, it's very unfortunate because I think Trey was, was trending um, as a potential top 20 pick in the NBA draft. Um, and, and, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be out with this shoulder separation. You know, it, Duke just said in the release that it was indefinitely. Um, but he, he was just such an important piece to that puzzle. Uh, obviously, R.J. Barrett can create. And, you know, the truth is, is um, you and I talked about this, and, and you came up with this stat, but he's averaging more field goal attempts, R.J. Barrett is, than any other player in, uh, at Duke since 2000. And in high school, you could see his ability not only to score, because he's always been able to score, but he was also, when he needed to be, a good distributor and facilitator. But the thing about him on this Duke team is they really need him to score. And I, I think with Trey out, it's going to put a little more pressure on him um, you know, obviously he didn't have his best game last night against Syracuse. I think he was 8 of 30 from the field. Duke's margin of error gets a little thinner with, without Trey, and they're going to really have to rely on RJ a little more, not only as a scorer but also as a, a ball handler and uh, a, a creator. But I, I think this is a big loss, and um, partly just because I think he, he was the, the guy that kind of stirs the drink and the guy that gets them into their offense. And then on the other end, he was a tremendous on-ball defender. When I had Coach K on the podcast last week, he talked about how um, how much pressure he puts on the opposition. So uh, I, I think it's a big loss. I know there's no direct correlation with it, but his brother Tyus Jones was uh, named the final foremost outstanding player in uh, 2015. Now, when it comes March, this is a kid that I think Coach K is going to need. Is there any chance you think he's going to be able to make it back for March Madness? Well, I don't think we know yet. Um, you know, I think that optimistically you would hope but I, I don't know that we know the severity of this, this injury. I, I think if Duke knew, um, they would probably have put that out last night. Um, so I, I, I'm sure that will depend on his rehab. And, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about that injury. Um, but if Duke is going to complete the goals that a team like this would have in terms of winning a national championship, Trey Jones is going to need to be on the floor. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, they're definitely going to need him down the stretch, and hopefully he can make it back for this season. And that was definitely a tough injury for the Blue Devils. I know that he's a leader on that really young, talented team, and they sure would like to have him come March. But staying in the conference, Louisville destroyed UNC last weekend. What was your biggest takeaway from that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, one, it was surprising, um, especially after going to Pittsburgh and, and losing the way they did. Um, Louisville bounced back in a, a, a big way. And we know that Chris Mack is a, a really good basketball coach, but he had his team uh, prepared. Um, I think one of the things that stood out was the dribble penetration that they were able to get. It seemed like they had a pretty good game plan and attack. And it also helps when you come out and make your first six shots, which Louisville did. Uh, in terms of my biggest takeaway, though, Conrad, I, I think um, you know maybe one of the more underrated and underappreciated players nationally, and partly because I think a lot of people didn't know about him until this year, uh, is Christian Cunningham. This is a graduate transfer uh, from Samford. And I, I've actually been watching this kid since he was uh, uh, in eighth grade uh, because he, he, um, he grew up just outside of Lexington where I lived for uh, a long time. So I, I've been around uh, Christian Cunningham for a long time. And it, it's, his development has been uh, really, really impressive. Um, watching him in high school at Scott County, I, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't have thought that he could step in uh, to an ACC game at North Carolina and, and impact the, the game the way he did. He's just so steady. Uh, he gets his team uh, into um, their stuff. Um, I mean, he was four for four from the field, scored 10 points, tossed out five 
uh, assists against North Carolina, but I, I think you could make a case that he's been, you know, their team MVP. He had 23 against Pittsburgh. He had 20 against Kentucky. He, it's another situation where, similar to Trey, I don't think he's the best player on the team. Um, Jordan Awara would be their best scorer. But I do think he is so valuable to that basketball team. And, and keep in mind, they got him late. Um, so if Louisville didn't have Christian Cunningham, there's no way, there's no, uh, no telling where that basketball team would be right now. But I, I think he is just such a key part to that basketball team. And the other kid that I would say is the X factor would be Dwayne Sutton. Um, he, he's been tremendous for them as well, shooting the ball, rebounding uh, for a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six kind of combo forward. He is a really good rebounder. But I, I would say Christian Cunningham was probably my biggest, biggest takeaway. Looks like Louisville's actually posed to get back into the tournament this year. And we all know Chris Mack is a fantastic head coach. You've had him on the podcast a couple times. But were people really expecting him to bring Louisville back this fast? I mean, their losses this season have been Tennessee, Marquette, Indiana, Kentucky, and Pitt, which Pitt's actually tournament team as well. Was this expected out of him this fast? I don't think it was expected out of this fast, no. Um, you know, especially you mentioned the teams they've lost to, which are all pretty good, but they also now own wins over top 10 Michigan State uh, and a top 15 team in, in North Carolina. So, I, I mean, I, I think that, that he's done a really good job of molding um, this basketball team. Now, I will say that I do think that Louisville has some talent. Like Jordan Awara can really score. Uh, Dwayne Sutton has turned out to be a much better p- player than um, maybe he was anticipated after – um, he transferred in from UNC Asheville. Stephen Enoch has, has always been talented. And if you watch the North Carolina game, he looked like an NBA player. He's always been talented, but, you know, he, didn't, he barely played at UConn his first two years. This, and then he sat out. So this is really his first, you know, full time of, of game action where he's playing consistently. And he's been a little up and down, but a big help. But I think the development, too, of, uh, of guys like Ryan McMahon and Malik Williams has looked better at times and, and turned into a starter. Um, but to answer your question, no. I mean, I don't think people expected Louisville to be a team that could beat Michigan State and at North Carolina. Um, so I, I think that's a credit to their coaching staff and the job that they've done. Now, I will say this. Chris Mack had a lot of success at Xavier. And he was the guy that that program targeted uh, to bring in and lead their program. And I, I don't think anybody is surprised that Chris Mack would have success at Louisville. I think that is an expectation. Uh, in terms of the success um, that he's had on the court, um, and off of it because they have a top five recruiting class in the country. Um, I don't think anybody expected it this soon. I know I certainly didn't see it happening this soon, especially with all the turmoil that has happened at that university over the past couple of years. But you know, Chris Mack really is a fantastic head coach, and I'm, I'm glad to see the Louisville Cardinals back up in there. You know, Conrad, I, I think there's probably two that stick out to me, uh, one being uh, Pittsburgh, who we just talked about that actually beat Louisville last week. And then they turn around and beat a top 15 team in, in Florida State. And Jeff Capel has done a, a ridiculous job with this team in, in a short time. They're 12-5 and five right now. Keep in mind, this is a team that went 0-18 in ACC play last year, 8-24. and 24. So Jeff Capel ha- has done a really good job of kind of flipping the script. And I, it's with new guys. Like, their three perimeter players are guys that he took late. And uh, two of them have been tremendous. And I'm referring to... Uh, Xavier Johnson and, and Trey McGowns, those two are averaging uh, 31 points a game and uh, ha- have just been awesome uh, for Jeff Capel. And, and the other freshman I was referring to is is uh, 
uh, Mr. Tony, and he's from Huntsville, Alabama. He's averaging 10 points a game. So there's three perimeter players that really have helped um, that basketball team, and I, I think Jeff Capel's done a really good job with them so far. The other guy that I would mention, and he's done a fantastic job, and I, I think he's been a, a really good head coach for a long time and always was surprised that he didn't get more high major attention, uh, is Ole Miss head coach Kermit Davis. He was um, awesome at Middle Tennessee, uh, had them beating SEC teams regularly, and now he's in the the uh, the SEC conference, and he's still doing it. You know, he beat Auburn uh, last week. He beat Mississippi State, the rival. Um, they're thirteen and two. Um, they have wins over Baylor, beat Vanderbilt. They're three and zero in the SEC conference. I think uh, the job that he has done ha has been absolutely tremendous. And Brian Tyree has been awesome for them, averaging more than seventeen points a game. Uh, but there's also been some freshmen that he's added that have really helped them, like Blake Henson and, and K.J. Buffin. Uh, both of those guys are playing significant minutes for him. But I, I would say that uh, Jeff Capel and, and, and Kermit Davis would probably do two others that really stick out in my mind that, um, like Chris Mack, are having success early on. Yeah, Evan, I'm certainly excited to see if these coaches can get their teams into the tournament this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that all three of those teams, if the season ended now, would be in the NCAA tournament field. And Louisville has those two top 15 wins. Ole Miss um, with beating Auburn and Mississippi State has two top 15 wins. Pittsburgh now has a top 12 win. They're certainly all right there and in the conversation. So it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Um, so, Conrad, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out and jumping on the, the podcast and helping guide this conversation and, and walking through some of these topics. Anytime, me. Awesome, buddy. Well, uh, before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are – subscribed and supporting the sidelines podcast and the best way to do that is to shoot over to apple podcast and or your favorite podcast app make sure you hit that subscribe button for me would be also be helpful if you left a review uh, leave a rating those things are extremely helpful you can also shoot me a note over on twitter or instagram the handle is at evan daniels as always thanks for listening and have a great week